Welcome to Stay Gold, an Outsiders podcast. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I am joined as always by... Esme Mulberry. Esme, we are watching our way through the 2005 release of The Outsiders, the complete novel by Francis Ford Coppola. This is his re-release of his 1983 film, um, adding in a lot more uh, to make it truer to the S.E. Hinton novel. Uh, we're watching this five minutes at a time. We have made it to the hour mark. So today we're going to be talking about the 60-minute mark to the 65-minute mark in the film. But before we jump into this week's five minutes, can you refresh us on what we talked about last time in a little segment we call previously on Stay Gold? So in the last five minutes, um, we start with Ponyboy and Johnny watching the sun rise at the church and Pony Boy recites Robert Frost's poem, Nothing Gold Can Stay. Um, then Dally shows up at the church. He brings Pony Boy a letter from Soda Pop. And then the three of them go to Dairy Queen to eat. And Dally explains that there's going to be this big fight between the Socias and the Greasers. And there's a lot of high tensions. And then he also shows them that he started carrying a gun. And that's where we left off. All right. So let's jump into the five minutes um, we are sitting at the Dairy Queen in Buck Merrill's car, and uh, this five minute opens with Dally like really dumping some exposition. It's sort of funny that it's taken until now. I mean, they've had the whole car ride, they've sat and, and they've eaten, and uh, and he hasn't mentioned some of this stuff, but now he's yeah. getting around to saying it. So he says that uh, Tim Shepard's gang and uh, th- that. Tim Shepard's gang, along with the, uh, the uh, our greasers, um, are going to have a, a fight with the Socias tomorrow night in the vacant lot. So this is the rumble climax that this movie is building towards. Um, then he mentions that they have a spy, Cherry Valance. He says, we are all hanging out at the vacant lot. Um, when she pulled up in her Stingray, um, we were just looking at what a uh, like mid sixties Corvette Stingray looks like. She has a sweet car. Yeah, it's really her car is cool. better than the uh, um, better than the the Mustang that we see. Uh, I would guess that would be Randy's Mustang. Yeah, Randy was the one driving. Um, yeah, her car is awesome. I don't remember if we ever see it in the movie. We might. I think we do, but it's like in the background. Okay, we have to be looking out for this because this is a this is a sweet car that she has. Um. So and she so uh, Dally explains that she said that she would testify that the Socias were drunk and that they were the ones looking for a fight, and that you guys fought back strictly on self defense. So. He's letting them know that 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 Cherry's on on their side uh, if this ever goes to trial. Um, then he continues by saying uh, that uh, Cherry sure does hate him. Right now, mm-hmm. this this is our continuation of the the interesting uh, Cherry Valance arc and all the things she says about Dally Winston. Yeah. So he says, "I offered to take her over to the dingo for a coke, and she told me to go to hell." Um, then he asked Johnny and Pony if they think she might like him a little bit. He says, I think she's kind of cute. And how would you describe... I mean, they don't say anything, but, like, Pony's response to to Dally here. He seems, like, really angry. Um, there's a thing that he does that really bothers me. He's, like, eating something and then, like, throws it out of the car. Yeah, he throws, and like, the wrapper to his sandwich, I think. I feel like it's 
part of the sandwich though because in the scene before he's like halfway through oh that could be yeah and it seems like he throws the entire so does, sandwich does it out of bother the you that he wastes the sandwich which is biodegradable or that he throws the paper and just litters okay the littering bothers me but it's also like if he's throwing food like they kind they're like really hungry why is he throwing food he did this with the chocolate bar too i, think I know it's, it, it's pony boy's move or c thomas howell's move uh to do this yeah this is i i like this in terms of the rapper i like it because it speaks to like you know in the 60s people didn't think about those things in the mm-hmm. same way there's a, a really famous scene from the first episode of mad men which is um, all set in the early 60s, where they go on a picnic, and at the end of the picnic, they just crumple everything up and leave it out in the, you know, and the, the, it looks like they're collecting the garbage, but they're collecting it just to throw it and leave it there. So, you know, that uh, this is all sort of pre-Earth Day, pre-environmentalism. So, yeah. um, I don't know if that was supposed to read as a kind of joke at the time, but, uh, I, but yeah, I think that's kind of what's I going on. I think he throws the food out of the car, too, though. Yeah. I'm less concerned about that. I'm also concerned because he has not, in any of this time, wiped off his mouth and there's food all over it. And now he's sitting there not actively eating anything. Yeah. And it bothers me so much more. Well, and this becomes a a running theme in this uh, this movie is people who eat eat like animals (laughs) and just have food all over their faces. Um, This is also like a weird seem to me because in the book like he talks uh, dally talks about how, how he like asked cherry out and she said no but then he doesn't go into the whole like do you think she likes me like she's cute thing so they try to play up that relationship so much more and then also having pony boy have like the big reaction to it also kind of plays it up a little bit more and like it's just it feels different yeah i mean they're definitely playing up <clears throat> that Pony Boy has feelings for Cherry, whether they're romantic mm. feelings or something else. Um, you know, that's that's definitely getting played in the scene. But I feel like that's in the book a little too. A little bit, but not as much. I th- they lean into more they lean into more of it in the movie. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. Um, I would also say that in the book, in like Pony Boy's narration, he then kind of starts talking about Cherry and who she is as a person. And he both mentions sunsets and calls her a dreamer. Just wanted to bring that up because <laughs> I notice it so much more now. So then Dally moves on to ask uh, what they do for kicks in Windricksville. And he says, play checkers or something. This place is out of it. And that feels again like a, um, it's got to be a book line, right? Uh, Yeah, Okay, that cause, is. Because that feels like a, a bad S.E. Hinton, like. Trying to be funny. Trying to be kind of funny. And it's just like. It just lands with such a thud. Um, <laughs> and so, again, I think the big takeaway from this podcast series is Essie Hinton. Maybe maybe not that funny. Yeah. Um, he continues to say he's never been in uh, out in the country before, which is interesting because, as we know from the story, uh, from the book, and it's hinted at in the movie, he's from New York City originally. So yeah. I feel like moving to <clears throat> Oklahoma in general is moving out into the country. But, uh-huh. you know, Dally... It's a good reminder that they are all city kids. Yeah. Um, in the book, in this part, he asked both Ponyboy and Johnny, like, have you been in the country before? Johnny says no. Ponyboy says yes, because, like, his dad used to take him and his brothers, and they would go hunting and stuff. So, then, 
also kind of shows that Ponyboy does have a connection to the country. Mm-hmm. And then also Dally then explains why he knows about the church. And oh, he, what he does says he say? that he has a cousin who lives in this area and told him about the church. Okay, so he'd never obviously yeah, never been there he'd before. He'd never been there, but he knew about it. Okay. So I feel like that also kind of explains why he gives them like really vague directions about how to get to the church. Sure. Um, so, huh? Yeah. I li- I like Dally's like network of people who mm-hmm. who know things. I like that. So then, at this point, Johnny announces we're going back and we're going to turn ourselves in. And Dallas looks puzzled at this. There's a there, there's a great <laughs> the, the look on on Dylan's face when he kind of looks and then he like does a double take and puts his hand up to his ear and he's like, "What? <laughs> you're you're gonna do what?" Um, and Johnny says, uh, I've got a good chance of being let off easy. It was self-defense. You just said Pony and Cherry can testify. And uh, Dally just keeps saying no to this. He's like, "Like, what What are we doing here? But Johnny continues. He says, uh, and we won't say that you helped us. We'll give. I'll give you back the gun so you won't get in any trouble. Uh, and Dally... Then what's interesting is Dally starts with like, no, no, you're not going to do this. And then he's like, okay, are you sure that's what you want to do? Yeah. Um, And Johnny says, yeah, it ain't fair for Darian Soda worrying about Ponyboy all the time. I don't guess my folks are worried about me. Um, And this is, this is Johnny like dropping the emotional hammer. Um, He doesn't say it when Ponyboy gets a letter from home and he doesn't, Mm -hmm. but here he's like, yeah, let's be honest. Like, I'm not. Um, he's basically saying I'm not loved at home. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Dally jumps in and says, "Hey, man, the boys are worried." So it's like he's saying, "You, your family may be broken, but he's like, you have a family. You have yeah. a family in us, and we're worried about you." He says, "Did you know that Two Bit wanted to go to Texas to hunt for you?" And Johnny pushes back here. Like this is this I like this scene for Machio because here we we often talk about how when Matt Dillon's on the screen, he just sort of takes over. Yeah. And here I feel like Machio is swinging back and holding his own pretty well. Yeah. Um, both his character against Dally and then Machio against Matt Dillon. He says he snaps back and says, I asked if my parents asked about me. <laughs> He's like, I didn't, I like, I did. I'm not saying there's not you guys who care about me, but I want you, I want you to admit my parents don't care about me. They're not asking. Yeah. They're not asking about me. And that's like a gut punch. It is. Yeah. It's, it's a weird thing where it's like, it's one of my favorite moments because it's that like, you bring in the like really emotional stuff and. Well, Machio yeah. sells it so yeah, well. Yeah, he does. It's like, it's a great moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for all the kind of ups and downs of some of the performances in here, I think he's great in this yeah. uh, in this exchange. Um, and, Dally, and Dally, again, I mean, and this is Dylan matching, uh, matching Machio says, no, they didn't ask about you. So what? Do you think my old man gives a hang about me if I'm dead in a car wreck or drunk or in jail or something? He doesn't care, but that doesn't bother me. Um, so, so like this is this is a, a pretty emotionally affecting scene, I think. Yeah. Um, and then we just see Dally frustrated, uh, and there's this moment that you and I were talking about where, whenever I hear a, a line that reads a little strange, I ask you, "Oh, is this a book line?" This one's not. So I think this yeah. one is just like a 
kind of an acting moment where he, I almost wonder if like Dylan kind of forgot the line and he's working through it because he yeah, says. Yeah, it's a really weird. Yeah. So he's like frustrated and he's like, I got you guys a hideout. And then he says, he says, I got you guys a hideout, a hangout. I got you guys a hangout. I got you guys a hideout. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what's a hangout? Like, what, what is he, you know? So, so it, it's just this, this, and again, we're laughing, but like it works. Really yeah, well. it does. It works well that he's frustrated and these, these lines are coming out frustrated. But if you just isolate them, you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? What You got us a hangout. <laughs> It's um, like you're not watching it and looking at all the lines. It just kind of blows past and you just kind of hear the like his frustration of he got them. He like found them a place to hide out. And then you actually look at them and you're like, oh, that's not. It's just it's just it just doesn't comes seem like that's what that's supposed to be. Yeah. So he says, I got you a hideout and look at this. Now you want to split. This is just terrific. And he starts the car and he slams his arm into the uh, into the side of the car. So he's frustrated. But. He's also like, hey, this is your decision to make. Yeah. So so I like that. He's not trying to force them to do something they don't want to mm-hmm. do. Uh, um, I do know that in the book, like in the movie, he kind of at the beginning very much is like, no, you're not going to do this. And then switches to the like, do what you want. But in the book, it's at the end of the conversation, like right before it kind of gets cut short. Johnny says to Dally, like, what do you think I should do? And then Dally doesn't get a chance to respond, but Ponyboy says that, like, whatever Dally would say, Johnny would have done it. So it's it's a different change of at first he's just like, no, you're not going to do this. And Johnny doesn't listen to him. Yeah. And what I love is the next scene. So now we get them, they're driving, kind of speeding through the, uh, speeding through the countryside to get back to the church. And Dally is talking, and now he's explaining why he doesn't want Johnny to turn himself in. And it's, what I like about it is it's not because, like, hey, you should never do that. He's like, he has, it comes out of a genuine concern for for Johnny, and we get a little bit of reflection, uh, Dally kind of reflecting on his own life. So he says, Johnny, you don't know what a few months in jail can do to you. You get mean in jail. I don't want to see that happen to you like it did to me. So there's a sense that that he's thinking about his own life. He's done time in jail, and it's like that changes you. And he, it's it, it it is it's this little version of of again one of the themes of this that runs throughout this whole book and this whole movie. And the, it's it's the title of this podcast, right? It's this idea of stay gold, mm-hmm. right? Like stay fresh. And I, and I think this is. When Dally says the line we love early on about how he just hates kids, right? He hates kids when they get wise. It's like, you know, these these little kids, they shouldn't be wise to to what I'm doing and stuff like this. And it's like it, he's also saying like it's like they're they're growing up too fast, right? They're not yeah. they're 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 losing that kind of purity that they have. Mm-hmm. Um and this is another another moment where I think um you can hear Dally sort of expressing that to Johnny that he's basically saying, Johnny, you you may not realize this, but you still have a level of purity to you, and I don't want to see that. I want to see that last as long as it can. Yeah. I also know in the book, this line's played up way more as, like, this big deal, and Ponyboy has this kind of big, like, silent reaction to it of, like, surprise that Dally said that. And it's just, it's still in there in the movie, but it's played down a little. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think it lands pretty. I, I don't know yeah. that, I need, that I need much more to hit it home. Like this one, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a little moment of insight into Dally. So as they continue to drive, you hear the sound of kids. And you can't tell if they're laughing or yelling or screaming. But you yeah. hear the sounds of kids, which is strange because they're in the middle of nowhere going up to this abandoned church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once you hear this, you hear a song. And I didn't go back and check if this is the same song we heard earlier when um, when Derry hits uh, when Derry hits Pony, but it's similar. It's another like yeah. kind of up tempo surf guitar uh, style song. It kicks in when they finally see the church, and the church is on fire. We see a school bus and a bunch of kids outside, um, and as they start to pull into the church. We get what is a pretty cool, I don't know if it's a steady cam shot or, or something in the vein of that. That's like behind the back seat. So you see the heads yeah. and you're seeing through the windshield. Like that's a cool shot. Um, yeah, you know, it is. As they, as they start to approach the church. Um, so as they get closer, we see Pony Boy jump out of the car and rush to the church, right? The other two are looking on, seeing what's happening. And Pony Boy just kind of jumps into action. Um, you know, again, we've, we've talked about, um, these characters in this movie are often coiled in a kind of way. We saw two bit jump into action against the socials. We saw a sort of a coiled dairy and that's what leads to him hitting pony. And here is that same sort of coiled nature. It's like pony boy doesn't think he just like, he's just going to act. Yeah. Right. Which is interesting because that's one of the things that dairy criticizes him for. You don't think. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but, but, but this is pony pony acting instead mm-hmm. that there is something wrong and we need to help out and you know and we know from the book that part of this is because they're afraid it's their fault yeah they're afraid they started the fire or something like that yeah and like they i think they did right well they've left things in the church that maybe could lead to the fire I think yeah is, i think is what the book points to. i know that's what i'm saying is like yeah. i i think they did start it they bear some responsibility for it yeah i, I, I was i wouldn't say they started it but yeah they, they definitely well, bear not some on purpose but well i don't think they struck the match but they left the matches there yeah metaphorically and and literally probably <laughs> yeah yeah um so we see pony sort of jump into action uh johnny and dally yell for him to come back uh we see two teachers who are who are collecting the children and we hear one say to the other, Jerry, some of the children are missing. And then the teachers get into an argument about yeah. whether or not children are missing and whose fault it is, <laughs> which is very funny. Like, yeah. it's, 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 they, they seem more concerned about whose fault it is than mm-hmm. like, are their children missing? It's the same in the book where like, it's also in the book, it's even this thing where like Pony Boy walks up to one of the teachers and asks them like, what happened? And he's just, like, really calm, and all the kids in him are just standing there watching. He's like, yeah, we the church just started on fire, and it was just, like, in there just watching. And then, like, the other teacher comes up and says, like, some of the kids are missing, and he's like, no, they're not. Yeah. Like, no. I think it's really weird that his main concern is not, like, should we figure out if the kids are missing? He's just like, yeah, no, they're not. Yeah, yeah. So so we have Jerry, and I think Teresa is the other, yeah. the other teacher in this argument, so... So Pony just runs right by that um, and rushes to the church. Uh, and we see the the male teacher, Jerry, chase after him, yelling him, 
yelling to him that he's going to get hurt. Yeah. So Jerry's not necessarily interested in getting involved in uh, uh, in looking for the kids, but he's concerned mm-hmm. about he's concerned about Pony Boy and his safety. In the book, he like tries to he like stops pony boy first and he's like no i'll go in and get them and then pony boy like gets away from him and actually goes in so in the book he's a little bit more like willing to help yeah yeah instead of just like no don't go in there yeah let the kids die so back at the car we see uh johnny also jump out and follow pony boy's lead and dally is frustrated at their like playing hero he's like what what are you guys doing like this is this is not our deal why are you why are you risking why are you sticking your neck out for them Mm -hmm. you know um and we see pony try to kick down the church door and then johnny ends up throwing a very big rock yes uh through the thin sort of church walls um and so we see smoke start to billow out of the hole and we hear crying children as we see pony boy and johnny climb into the church and then the, sc- the screen just sort of fills with flames. Um, yeah. So this is not a natural shot. This is like a weird effect shot where it's mm-hmm. like flames. It's like a black background with like flames superimposed almost in the foreground. Yeah, it's a weird moment. It's a little strange. I mean, it works. It, it, yeah, it, it's it sort works. of the transition mm-hmm. to going into the church, but it, it does feel like a little... A little music video-ish, yeah, if that makes sense. that's what I was thinking, too, of, like, it seems like you were making some random video that wasn't a movie. Yeah, And yeah. you were like, let's have this cool flame effect. Yeah, it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel as, like, cinematic as you might want. Yeah. Um, uh, so inside the church, we hear the owl screech and fly off. Um What's funny is we get this, we get an echo of the first time they go into the church because when the owl screeches, Johnny says, what was that? (laughs) It's the exact same line, exact same response. Yeah. Um, And we see Dally frustrated, or excuse me, we, um, they go into the church uh, and Pony Boy asks if the teacher Jerry came inside too. uh, And Pony Boy says, was he too scared? And Johnny says, no, he was too fat. Uh, to get in to get into yeah. the hole that they went into outside we see dally looking on um and he's looking on at the scared kids and he starts to then rush to the church as well um so now we get shots from inside the church and it's this is kind of hard to track and hard to follow because yeah there's flames but then most of the screen it's so smoky you're you're seeing movement you're seeing familiar places from inside the church but mm-hmm. it's really hard to make out what happens we see them bust out a board a boarded up window and start mm-hmm. passing kids out to dally so dally's kind of on the porch of the church and they're and he's pulling kids out that they bring to him and we see the as they're inside we see the flaming beams of the church start to collapse uh, as dally looks in he sees the roof start to go uh, Dally, Bo- Dally sees Pony Boy's jacket is on fire, so he grabs Pony Boy and sort of pulls him out of the church. We see a beam from the church roof fall on Johnny. Uh, so Dally outside throws Pony Boy to the ground to put out his burning jacket. He hears Johnny screaming from inside the church. Dally jumps into the church just as we see the an exterior shot of like the steeple of the church collapsing. So that's the last thing we see of the church fire. And then we have a hard cut to ambulances speeding down the street. And we can see that we're inside one ambulance 
And there's at least one in front of us. Yeah. And that's where the five minutes end. Um, I will say there's this one line that they cut out from the book that I'm really glad they cut out because it's when Ponyboy and Johnny are like where the kids are and then Dally's outside and he yells to them like, forget about the kids and just get out. And I'm really glad that they cut that out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, it. It makes sense, but it also like doesn't yeah. shine the greatest light on the gallant Dally. Mm-hmm. And then in the movie, there's a line where he says, "Like get the kids and get out." Like he's still like, "Yeah, you need to get out," mm-hmm. but he's yeah less of a jerk. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, and I think this is the echo of the the sort of gallant, you know, rushing in, uh, rush or riding off to battle. Mm-hmm. You know, when defeat sees emin- seems eminent, and that is, I mean, that's where you see Dally jumping into the church. As it's collapsing to try to save Johnny. So he is living up to Johnny's image of him as gallant and brave. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's talk about the book. You've talked about a lot of book things. Any other book notes that we, that we didn't get to here? Um, not really. Cause it's just hard. Cause like there's, I guess like little changes in what happens when they're actually in the burning church, but I'm not gonna how much does say the that's how wrong. how long does the book go on with inside the burning church? I feel like it's, it's pretty only, quick on screen. Yeah, I feel like it's only a couple of pages. Like it's this weird, intense moment, so it seemed really long, and then you actually look and you're like, oh, it's not actually that long. Mm-hmm. So I think it's actually a similar thing to the movie, where in my head in the movie it's this long thing where they're in this burning building, but it's really not. It's mm-hmm. like two minutes. Well, that's what that's been another interesting thing about doing this project is I realize how short some of these sequences are that I think of as like I think of the burning church as like a major set piece, and if you had told me that's like twelve minutes in the movie, I'd be like, yeah, that feels about right. It seems yeah. like it goes it's like, but it's yeah, it's. I mean, you forget that this five minutes has a fairly long conversation. Mm-hmm before we get to this and it's fully completed by the time we get to the end yeah and like with the conversation almost everything's book lines they cut out a couple things but then like other than that it's kind of hard to judge it because it's them in a burning building yeah and then a shot of an ambulance so so if we're thinking about like scoring this in terms of fidelity in the book from zero to ten where would you put this hmm I might say like an eight because just uh, like half of it is them just not really having dialogue in the church. So it's hard to say they do things wrong. But then there's also some things they change like in the conversation, but it's not big things. It's just certain lines. They cut out some parts. Now, what's interesting is Pony Boy's wearing a jacket that catches on fire. And this yeah. happens in the book. Um, and... If we're paying attention, we know where he gets the jacket, but like they make a bigger that it's Dally's jacket. That yeah, he's it's wearing. Dally's jacket because he got that when he went to Buck Merrill's because because mm-hmm. he didn't have a you know he didn't have a, a jacket um, that that cold night. So that that jacket is significant because mm-hmm. that's also Dally's jacket probably saving his life because yeah, Pony Boy doesn't catch on fire himself. There's a line later in the book where. Pony Boy's told like that jacket saved your life because also in the book it's like his back is on fire mm-hmm. and in the movie it's like his arm mm-hmm. so it's a thing of like the jacket definitely saved his life where like he didn't get burned at all on the back yeah yeah all right should we do a deep dive yeah all right um so we are getting towards the end of our sort of main actor deep dives that we have a couple left to do so 
Today we're going to be looking at Soda Pop Curtis himself, Rob Lowe. Um, Lowe was born March 17th, 1964 in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, he grew up in Dayton, Ohio through junior high and then moved to Malibu, California for high school. So he ends up attending the same high school as Emilio Estevez's younger brother, Charlie Sheen. So Charlie Sheen is also, also becomes a really prominent actor uh, and movie star in the, the later part of the 1980s. So he has this early connection with, uh, with Estevez through Charlie Sheen. Um, in 1979, Lowe lands uh, the part of Tony Flanagan on a short-lived television uh, comedy called A New Kind of Family. And that's his first kind of big acting role. Um, in 1983, he earns his first Golden Globe nomination for the TV movie Thursday's Child. Also in 83, he's cast in the role of Soda Pop Curtis in Coppola's The Outsiders. So that's like kind of his, um, that's his first big movie role. Because mm-hmm. um, even Thursday's Child was a TV movie. Um, <clears throat> Lowe went on to become one of the leading figures in 1980s Brat Pack along with Emilio Estevez. So he and Estevez are, are kind of linked in that way. You know, a part of this group of actors that really a big chunk of the Outsiders actors are sort of part of that move, uh, part of that movement. Um, Lowe ends up starring in eight more movies in the 80s, including... Oxford Blues in 1984, St. Elmo's Fire with Estevez in 1985, Young Blood with Swayze in 1986, About Last Night in 1986, and Square Dance in 1987. He receives his second Golden Globe nomination for his performance in Square Dance. Throughout the uh, the 90s, Lowe uh, appears in 17 movies. A lot of them are direct-to-video movies. He doesn't go on to have a, a huge movie star career. Um, but he makes notable appearances in comedies featuring Saturday Night Live alums, so Wayne's World in 1982, Tommy Boy in 1995, and all three Austin Powers movies, 97, 99, and 2002. As his career moves into the 2000s, Lowe finds a home in television. So he's on three series that, that have significantly long runs. Um, from 99 to 2006, he stars in 80 episodes of The West Wing. From 2006 to 2010, 76 episodes of Brothers and Sisters. And from 2010 to 2015, 77 episodes of Parks and Rec. So that's that's your first connection with Rob Lowe, right? Is playing Chris Traeger on Parks and Rec? Yep. All right. Uh, over the course of his career, he's been nominated for six Golden Globes and one Primetime Emmy. So, uh, again, he's somebody who in the 80s is sort of a is a is a – a fairly significant movie star, but his acting career ends up being dominated by a lot of television work, um, but a lot of prominent and significant television work. Uh, should we give out some awards? Yeah. All right, Esme. Uh, who won the five? I have three potential nominees here. Uh, Ralph Macchio, C. Thomas Howell, Matt Dillon, or... Uh, Gaylord Sartain, who plays Jerry. <laughs> um, I threw him in here just because there's not a lot of there's just not a lot of people in this. Yeah. And Jerry has a bigger part than Teresa. Teresa has, I think, one one and a half lines. Jerry at least has a couple more lines in this. Yeah. I don't and think at least like I feel like we learn more about Jerry's character. He's like a bad teacher. We at least learn that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he'll be in a little bit more of the movie as well. Yeah. Um, so what are you thinking here? I think, I really think this comes down to 
to two people we've talked about before in terms of awards, right? This is either Machio or Dylan. Yeah. Uh, so to my mind, it comes down to who do you think wins that conversation in the car? That's what I'm thinking about because they both have like such good moments. I can go either way on this. I can too. Dally has a line that's like one of my favorite lines. And I think that. What's what's that? It's the line where he says, like, I don't want you to end up like me. It's that one. Like, yeah. I love that line. And I think that Matt Dillon does a really good job saying it. But then, like, Ralph Macchio does a really good job with all of his lines, too. Yeah. It's really hard, this he, one. Here, here's how I would look at it. Um, I'm going to argue for Matt Dillon here. Okay. I think Macchio and Dillon at the Dairy Queen are pretty close to a draw. Yeah. I think they're matching each other. If I had to pick a winner in a split decision, I'd give it to Machio maybe. But mm-hmm. Dylan then has the the sort of hammer line in the car about yeah. or in the car when they're driving about, you know, that prison mm-hmm. makes you mean um and I don't want you I don't want that to happen to you like it happened to me. Um so I think he gets a he gets that he he gets that other scene that he wins if they if they draw in the car he gets that so okay, I yeah. think I would go Dylan I go Dylan too I I agree with I that I mean he is really showing himself in our minds to be the uh the big star of this movie because uh cuz he keeps winning these so but yeah. I, but I think that's the right call I got I I really fretted over this, and as we rewatched this scene a few times, mm-hmm. I, I was thinking, who do I want to throw my weight towards? But I, I, I think this is a Matt Dillon. So we feel good about that? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let us know what you think. Do you think Ralph Macchio won the scenes in the car and therefore won the five? Email us, channel3900 at gmail.com. Do you think Jerry's a bad teacher? Do you think he's <laughs> a good teacher? Do you think? Uh, do you think it's a fireable offense? Uh, do you, if you like us wonder what is this field trip up to this abandoned <laughs> church on Jay Mountain? Uh, email us with your thoughts, your theories, your speculation. Channel thirty nine hundred at gmail That is all the time that we have, but we will be back next week to talk about minute sixty five to minute seventy. Until then, stay gold. Mm-hmm.